Hey guys, welcome to the very latest show of Photography Insights, the show that goes behind the scenes and interviews people from the photography world. And after having such a lovely time with Nick a few weeks ago, I wanted to follow up on his recommendation. He suggested speaking with Kevin Percival as he works at the London Science Museum but also runs personal projects and shoots film. So obviously I had to have a chat with him. And here we are. Kevin is another down-to-earth, humble person. Talks openly about his career at the museums. These include the National Media Museum at Bradford, Locomotion in Shildon, the National Rail in York, and the Museum of Science and Industry in Manchester. So as part of his role, he's involved in taking um, pictures of the items within the museum. This does also... Um, include taking portraiture of some of the artists and their curators and um, people involved like that. Some of these are like environmental based, um, some of them are just like headshots, um, but each, each works really well. Now some of these involve complex um, lighting setups due to the size of the objects. For instance the Apollo 10 um, capsule. It's quite interesting, um, he talks a little bit about these from like the small items to the really big, how they do this, how they work within the teams, um, so it's quite, um, it's quite good. Uh, and he's also worked on some interesting personal projects, the gaming industry. However, the one we focus on in the interview um, is his work from Tanera, um, which is a remote island in Scotland. We talk about his adventure and living in a remote part of this country. So in this one, we discuss lighting for the story, studio lighting, backgrounds, difficult sessions, working in teams, the humanity of portraiture, Hook magazine and Tanera. Now there'll be links to his website, his Instagram and the museum. And please do check out the website and you'll get to see the added content in the form of some photos he sent through which um, support the podcast. Now before I move you on to the interview I finally um, got some planning done and I've got something amazing for everybody. Yes I've got my own little competition. So the idea is I'm going to start this on the 1st of February for the month and there's going to be some lovely goodies. So there's going to be some film to win some and some lovely zines and some free uh, dev for those interested as well. Uh, there's some stickers and postcards and little things like that as well. Um, I've put this together um, along with Kodak Alaris, um, Static Age, um, Zone Imaging Lab and uh, David Collier so I'm very thankful to everybody involved and I hope you are too details will come out very soon it will be nice and easy it'll only be an Instagram one and so all, uh, all I can say is get shooting Kodak film at the minute and you'll be well versed to enter the competition so yeah I uh, hope you enjoy that and um, keep checking the social media feed so if you follow me on um, 
Facebook, there's flogger.co.uk there, or if you uh, follow me on Instagram, that'll be flogger.co.uk as well. And of course, uh, full details will be on the website as well, just flogger.co.uk. So I hope that covers it. For now, let's sit back, relax, wait the music, and introduce Mr. Percival. And welcome to the show, Mr. Percival. How are you? I'm all right, thank you, Andy. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, thank you for agreeing to come on. That's all right. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, obviously, we have to thank a certain fake Irish slash American person, don't we? Yeah, the Irish <laughs> Californian. That was one of the strangest uh, introductions. When he started talking, I was like, hang on a second. You're not American. Oh, man, I love Nick's accent. It's just it's the best. It is. absolutely best. It's yeah. Like, I think... Go on. I think it's great for listeners because they get to hear a little bit of that Irish accent. And I don't think I've had anyone with an Irish accent yet. Oh, really? Okay. That's that's interesting. Mm. I mean, his, his is a really interesting one. It is. Like, by, by California. But, yeah. Um, no, I love I love when I'm texting him, actually, because you, you can hear it in his, in his uh, text speak as well. <laughs> Do you oh, know what wow. I mean? Like, or at least having spoken to him, I can hear it. It's like there's, there's just certain phrases and yes. ways of constructing a sentence that just like, you know, feel very, very Irish. And it? it's, it's kind of <laughs> always, always present. It's funny how language and like regions have that effect on like the way we communicate. Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, kind of in, incredible, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I always laugh. Um, a friend of the show is um, Pete from Static Age, and he's from the northeast. Obviously, you can't call him. Uh, I mean, you can call him Jardy. So, um, some of the words he says, I think I've never heard them. Only in that region, and then some of them I wouldn't be sure of here and there. But God, I think it's one of the most likable accents because you know they're straight-talking people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. The sort of the whole dialect thing is uh, is really interesting. It and it's interesting when you sort of like. I think often you don't know that you've picked up uh, like a certain regional dialect until you move around and yes, and someone someone does a double take, right? And I guess what what does that mean? What right? <laughs> and you know, you, and you say certain words which are just you know just to you, are just like well, it's a well, it's a ginnel, isn't it? Or it's a it's yeah he's Nesh or something and it's kind of you know all these kind of little uh colloquial kind of um particular mm. particular words that you just pick up um yeah oh definitely yeah and, and uh, you go somewhere else and it's like yeah they, they don't know what you're talking about yeah because people say um like especially um people from Yorish so um Kev's from like the London area and they'll say I know you're north Andy but I can't quite put it precisely. And I understand that because I think our regional accent isn't as strong as Geordie's. It's not as strong as um, Liverpoolian's. It's not as strong as the Scottish, but there's a little tint, isn't there? Mm, yeah, yeah. 
absolutely. Um, I know one of the funniest times was where when I was first um, really new into podcasting, uh, I was using this tool and I hit the wrong button and I ended up in a random room talking to people um, and instead of me waiting for a guest and this lady started talking to me and I think she was a Yankee and uh, I said oh, you know I'm really sorry I've come on here by mistake and she started saying to me um, oh I really like your accent <laughs> right well, I, I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but I'm probably not going to listen to this because I hate the sound of myself recorded. As I think, I, I guess a lot of people do, but like I always think I sound yeah. really, really like really, really <laughs> well, really, really Derbyshire, really basically. But no, no one else could probably hear it. But it's like, oh man, uh, no, nice. I get it's you. Nice people like it, though, obviously. Mm. I, I'm the same. I. I've always um, hated my own recordings and that. Um, so when I have to listen back and edit uh, this, I've just sort of blank out my own voice now. I think I've got used to it. Which is not nice, really, but there you go. Well, I mean, it's, I mean if, it's a, if it's a way of dealing with it, I think I might have to learn the same, learn the same skill. Well, my wife... My wife's really good at blanking me out as well. So, you know, so anyway. Um, so obviously one of the um, skills and reasons um, we came across yourself was the job you do, which is very interesting. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah. yeah, so I work at the Science Museum. Mm. I guess that's what, you, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's one of my... Um, things that are really interest me. I love going to like science. Um, I loved going to like Eureka, my daughters, things like that, learning a little bit. Um, and then obviously when I was looking at through some of your photos and, and things like that, it's like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> well, good. That's that's what we like to. That's what we like to hear. That's what we hope to uh, to achieve. Mm. I think the thing is there's. Uh, a lot of different subjects and and objects and when i was going through them, i was like i'll try and pick out like a couple and then i was like oh that's interesting that's interesting that's interesting right which one shall i talk about and then uh, you've got like a little bit of light so there's like one with like lasers in um mm, yeah yeah that that's a really interesting uh, sort of uh, science experiment it's um an old square box at the bottom and then it's like two hourglasses oh right yeah it's a um it's actually a string it looks quite quite luminous but it's um it's a string model mathematical string model oh okay yeah it's there it's, that's yeah they're really beautiful like yeah i kind of so i guess we should probably say um so i work as a full-time photographer at the science museum and uh we sort of we have a our job is basically divided into object photography uh events some events and uh portraiture and editorial work for the museum and um sort of occasional architecture gallery shots gallery views and stuff like that so it's quite a mixed bag yeah. um but the the bulk of the work is sort of object photography 
um, digitizing the collection so that it can be displayed online. Um, it's a national collection, so uh, it's obviously important that everyone can access it, and that's one of the best ways that, yeah, that it's it's possible for people to access it. So uh, we do sort of rotational photography and uh, stills photography of of the objects. Um, so yeah, sometimes you do get a really beautiful thing which just photographs really well, and sometimes. Um, you get something that's uh, like a grey box, you know, <laughs> like a video recorder or a computer or, a, you know, uh, okay, like something that's just completely, um, well, yeah, not not exactly very featureless, but um, but may well be really really important scientifically, you know, um, yeah. So. Uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting job you never quite know what you're going to get no that's cool so this string um piece of art then so what exactly is that so uh in we have a whole bunch of these in the sort of uh i guess in the age of the sort of age of enlightenment like uh 1800s I was going to say it does look like Victorian or something. It's very mm. old. It is, yeah, yeah. So uh, this was a way, of basically, of illustrating um, an equation or a formula or um, geometric principles, basically. Wow. Um, I mean, you, yeah, you mean you're welcome to post that along with the uh, along with the chat, so that people know what we're, what the hell we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, that's that's quite a that's quite a nice one. But it's quite a it's quite a good example of the sorts of challenges we face because so we're working in a studio environment, which on the one hand is great because obviously you can kind of control everything. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, you know, in that you've got that wooden box at the bottom, you've got kind of brass, you've got string, you've got like lots of different materials, which react in very different ways, and it's kind of it's all about trying to light the object for uh well uh, our principle at the science museum is we light for the object and we light for the story so okay. a lot of our objects are quite um well at least that's what i say i mean you might talk to my colleagues and they might disagree but that's that's what i'd call it anyway. <laughs> um, just legal disclaimer there um <laughs> before i go off on one so for example like um you might have an object, I don't know, like, which is literally, I don't know, three rusty nails and a bit of copper wire uh, in a in a little plank of wood. Hmm. Uh, but this, so it's kind of, it's almost kind of a bit of scrap, but then that may well be like the first ever microphone, for example. So yeah. if you think of like, no, you know, this is not possible. No broadcasting, no uh tv no radio no mm -hmm. i don't know kinks the clash the sex pistols the uh, you know like black sabbath like you know like there's, there's none of none of that no pop music mm -hmm. it's kind of like so we it's kind of really you know like completely revolutionary in that sense even though it is you know like materially it's quite dull mm -hmm. so we kind of we kind of like for the story, right? So we make the object look like it's kind of, it's intriguing and mm. it's lit for the sort of like, for that sort of the incredible thing that it is, you know? 
um even even when even when it's say a gray box you know like i said you know that's that's the other thing you see it could mm. be like you could i mean i don't know a server isn't particularly interesting right but then yeah. you know or at least it's probably not to you you see them every day right but then yeah. at the same time it's like if it's the if it's a server that you know i don't know the first online game was ever played on for example right? yeah or, you know like there's 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 things that are sort of stories that are always associated with the objects the curators are always very interested in stories and so we kind of like try and hmm. photograph the objects in such a way that we can kind of tease those out and bring those out um, and the other thing we do is light for the light for the object itself so the backgrounds and lighting setups are chosen based on the materials uh, and the uh -huh. that makes sense because all of them are completely different aren't they yeah absolutely and we have a really broad collection basically i mean it could be um it could be human remains it could be yeah like a, a modem it could be a tv it could be uh a scalpel you know like yeah. i mean it literally could be anything um so yeah that's kind of the way the way we tend to work so in this so in this example like all of those materials are kind of sort of came together in a way that made me choose that kind of that kind of background and that kind of kind of lighting so oh, so go on then what is one of the most difficult things you've took a picture of oh, oh where do i even begin <laughs> <laughs> every day uh, every day yeah every day is a new challenge that's a nice way of looking at it uh so i photographed apollo 10. Ooh. Uh, the capsule the, yeah exactly that's that's the one that that's the the correct reaction that's the one that everyone loves yeah um so that's um call sign charlie brown who i think might have got that wrong now god <laughs> there's going to be some some uh space nuts who are going to go, <laughs> go crazy at me um so it's uh it's the capsule that came that did the last test flight before uh, apollo 11 obviously apollo, was famously yeah. landed on the on the moon um so it's been to the moon and back which is kind of cool um but it's obviously it's it's kind of big um although although when you look inside it's kind of uh, it feels quite small for three astronauts but mm. you know yeah it's kind of it's one of those kind of incredible incredible things when you sort of you sort of see it and you're like oh my god those people spent that like that long in there like in that tight space it's just it's, it's kind of insane um it's a different job yeah a completely different job but very cool you know like it's mm. and it's really cool to be able to sort of um work with objects like that uh so that but that was kind of difficult because it was on display and we needed new photography of it um so it was kind of on a it's like mounted on a stand okay at an angle and so that meant basically rigging up a sort of temporary studio on the gallery after closing time so we started about five o'clock just before the public left and then basically shot through the night basically until about 12 o'clock midnight or 1am or something right. um and it was it was like three or four of us doing it just working we actually i'm very very lucky i have to say it's one of the best things about the job is the team are incredible um they're all wonderful photographers really really um supportive 
no no egos like everyone's just very 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 chill um that's good and just really lovely to work with and so we sort of we when we do work together i think we work quite well together um and we kind of you know we end up swapping the camera about different people have different yeah. ideas we bounce ideas around and not, and it kind of we often know what each other sort of are aiming for you know we know each other's work and we know the sorts of things that mm. the different photographers like so if if they say move that light there and it's a bit of a vague direction you kind of do you know what i mean depending yeah. on who it was who asked it you kind of you kind of know what they're what they're after um and that's really fun basically it's just a really enjoyable experience but also obviously like you've got this time pressure and then in the edit i kind of we we kind of had to shoot it in a really weird way because we had to um we had to be way up high because the there was a barrier around it so we had to kind of uh -huh. which we couldn't take away so we had to avoid that right and then that and that did end up being a, a cut out because there was just no way of, of sorting the background out making mm. it so that we couldn't we couldn't see any of the the rest of the gallery space so mm. um so yeah and again lit it in sections um yeah it's a it's a I, don't, I can't remember how how big a comp that was but it was yeah quite an interesting one mm. but like i said a lot of fun so that's probably one of the most challenging um generally any of those any of those big those large objects are kind of like <laughs> tend to be tend to be the challenging ones you know um because invariably also someone for some reason wants the picture like yesterday as well oh. which, do you know what i mean this kind of adds a whole extra sort of dimension to it basically so they're exciting but demanding yeah 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 definitely like... I, I think that's quite interesting that you're talking about teams though because most of the people I've interviewed are mainly sole photographers. Um, mm. Obviously, you'll get the odd one in photography who probably has an assistant. Um, there's a few special people out there that um, have assistants and things like that and um, teams and makeup artists and stuff. But I think quite a lot of photographers. So this is quite an interesting thing to talk about in a way. Mm. I... Um... I have a bit of a theory on this one. Mm. Uh, we do have this kind of reputation for being like lone wolves, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, uh, there's some truth in that. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be comfortable using your own initiative in a lot of those sorts of photography jobs, yeah. um, for example. But then also, I think it's also a bit of a myth because. Um, I mean, like, for example, you know, uh, you've created your website and this lovely podcast, right, to reach out to other photographers and, sure. and, and have these conversations, right? And actually, I think if we're honest with ourselves, most photographers actually, uh, you know, they, we need other people all the time, like, mm -hmm. to bounce ideas off. If it's, if, you know, it might just be to bounce ideas off, but mm -hmm. most people, like, even if you look at someone like, I don't know, like Don McCullen, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, how many fixes does he have? Yeah. You know, as he had over the years, I mean, you know, mm. like how many, you know, like uh, translators or, and, you know, like, and all the thing is, all these photojournalists and, you know, even the, even in the 
the, well, probably perhaps, perhaps we should say, especially in the grimmest war zones, you know, mm. like, you know, they hang out with other journalists, they know other journalists, they have, they know other photojournalists, they go around together, you know, yeah. like, or they share tips or they end up chatting in the hotel that they're all staying at afterwards, you know, like, it's kind of, I don't know, I think of it, I think of it as quite a collaborative thing, actually, photography, generally. Mm. Um, I think we just, we buy into that sort of like lone wolf thing because it's kind of romantic and it's kind of fun and it's kind of, you know, I mean, kind of, like I said, there is a certain kind of truth to it as well. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not, and I'm not trying to take anything away if some, from someone like Don McCullen or any of those wolf photographers because I think they do, they do some amazing stuff that I, I genuinely couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, wouldn't even dream of. Uh, but I do think we should acknowledge that um, that actually there's a lot of other, you know, there's a lot of collaboration there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, none of those, again, just sort of sticking with photojournalism because it's, cause it's what I, one of my sort of loves, I guess, my passions is documentary photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, the, you know, <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think you can get, you, any of those photographers would say that um, they could work their, they could work their entire career without writers, you know? Yeah. But, right. You know, the writing is so important mm. as well. And ideally it should be an equal marriage, you know, it should be both the pictures and the writing to tell the story. But, um, you know, and sometimes you can do it in just in pictures and often people try and do it just in words, but it's kind of i think when it works best it's it's the it's the two mm. you know and and that's a collaboration you know it's it's not working with other photographers necessarily which is which is i appreciate a different thing but mm. it is you know it's working it's working with people yeah definitely i think like you're saying some genres are very different so um we had a my last podcast we were talking about some artists and my friend brought up um, Lindsay Adler in the States. Mm. Now, her fashion work is amazing, but she must have so many people involved. I mean, you, you've got to think of stylists as well as um, people doing um, makeup and hair, uh, set designs, people running around, like you say, to collect things. Pardon me. Um, there's so much more. So that's collaborative but then like if you look to other genres say like street photography you can't really do collaborative because it's a moment that's so fast if people are around you it's a giveaway it's uh, yeah and i think a bit of landscape's a bit the same as well mm. no totally but then that's that's very true and I, I that is the exception isn't it so street photography definitely mm. Obviously, the, the other side of your work in the museum is actually doing a little bit of portraiture as well, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, I do do love a good portrait. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the one of the um, yeah. I started when I first sort of graduated. I started out as a landscape photographer, and if you had told me then that I was going to become a keen portrait photographer, I'd have laughed in your face and walked away. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, it turns out I really enjoy it, um, and it's really good fun. Mm. And so yeah, so again for the for the museum, that's a 
that's quite a big part of the role um, that I really enjoy. Uh, we tend to do, well, we do a variety of stuff. Um, uh, often, often it's in a sort of in a as a sort of aid to the object. So, mm -hmm. trying to tell the story of, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to use some medicine examples because that's that's one of the biggest projects I've worked on mm -hmm. at the museum. Um, but for example, you know, sort of a lot of those objects can feel very clinical and very cold, you know, like mm -hmm. not very human and actually being able to do, you know, it was really important to us to make, to put that, the human elements in those stories. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's a, a lovely piece of work that was an absolute privilege to do was to go and meet some, some people in, uh, who had basically it was as part of the faith hope and fear section of the medicine galleries and uh i did a series of editorial style portraits um of different people um which then went along with uh, a series of oral histories which you can hear uh, on the website mm -hmm. and, but also uh, excerpts of in the gallery um and each of these people this is particular medicine medical stories where uh faith of some kind had played a role so whether that sort of belief in uh not necessarily just like a belief in a religion but belief in a particular treatment or a particular uh what's the word particular kind of um medical practitioner or okay. um you know so it's kind of it's a really it's an interesting um it's an interesting gallery i think because it links those two those two things you know this that sort of like that's kind of psychological with that very mm. that otherwise very clinical very uh medical very hard science kind of um aspect um so yeah that was quite a nice portrait project for example and then we do other stuff like um portraits of curators uh, either again, either environmental or um, studio. Yeah. Um, you know that sort of kind of thing. Other, you know, staff portraits and stuff. Um, like I said, often it'll be, it'll be, um, in response to something. So, you may have seen on the news that we've got currently got a COVID collecting project going on. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole bunch of portraits that we're kind of trying to trying to do for that as part of that sort of story because obviously it's quite difficult to collect objects at the moment it's also quite difficult difficult to shoot portraits safely at the moment obviously as well mm. um, so we're kind of um we're working on that as well there's an amazing um project called the Hampstead gown factory that i think where basically volunteers sewed um it was about fifty thousand in the end surgical gowns for um for the nhs Wow. which is amazing like in their spare time you know they'd set up in a um in a college in north london and uh every day they're coming in different people coming in sewing sewing surgical gowns wow so i did a whole series of portraits of those and sort of some documentary behind the scenes and stuff um as part of that covid collecting project uh which was sort of just after when lockdown the first lockdown kind of eased basically yeah 
Um, but yeah, amazing people, really, really. Um, and it was, again, it's one of those things which was really lovely to photograph and really lovely to sort of be part of, uh, you know, and okay. sort of document in some way, hopefully, for for the future. Oh, God, yeah. People will not be forgetting this. I mean, we don't need to talk about decades. We can talk centuries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, absolutely. I think this will have a long memory, won't it? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, this is but this is the thing, right? It's not. It's a really interesting way of thinking from from that perspective because you're mm. sort of yeah, you're trying to work out what's important to collect for you know for ten years down the line, for twenty years down the line, for fifty years down the line, for mm. like you said, two hundred years down the line, and that's obviously that's a really that's a really difficult challenge. And thankfully, one that the curators have to deal with, not us. We just get told to photograph stuff, but <laughs> um, which is which is reassuring. But it's also, um, but you know, like it's it's kind of what makes the job so hmm. uh, fun for me, you know, and sort of like valuable to me. I think is um, is that feeling that you're sort of contributing something, you know, hmm. I know and people. I'm not. Uh, I don't kid myself, like you know, then people it's not like stuff is going to be it won't be seen by hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. but it might be important at some point to someone yeah and that kind of and you know and it's kind of like and it's going to be there if they need it sort of thing mm -hmm. you know if they want to see it um and you know like uh, yeah and it the, and on the best the, on the other side of that thinking positively if it inspires uh if something that I photograph inspires, inspires someone to go and become a doctor or an engineer or whatever, that's kind of cool, right? Like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So oh, That's all you awesome. can do. No, that's cool. Some interesting stuff there. Uh, I mean, the two photos um, I'm showing on the screen was, uh, would you say they're environmental portraits? Ooh, yeah, so interesting. So, yeah, the ones... Um, the one on the left, which uh, is the conservator in front of the painting, that's kind of, I would say, is probably more of a studio portrait. Basically, she'd worked on that, um, that piece. Uh, so that done a hell of a lot of cons conservation work on it. It's a massive... Um, canvas by james naismith okay uh, and it says it's a very very accurate painting of the moon the moon i thought it was so for, uh, gone. so i was gonna say so for anyone listening it looks like um gray fabric and a massive picture of a moon and then um, someone stood in front of it but looking towards the side obviously we'll put the photos on for you to see but yeah yeah so that one, that one's kind of uh, that. Would, I would say is more like a studio portrait, really. That was done in a conservation studio, but we did um, we did light it. So, mm -hmm. uh, and this one, the one on the right, which is um, one of the curators with uh, with a large sculpture that w was commissioned for the Medicine Galleries. It's a statue of Mark Quinn, uh, sort of conscious gene. It's called. Um, sorry, statue by Mark Quinn. The sculptures of uh, Rick against or Zombie Boy, and yeah, this sculpture is called Self Conscious Gene. It's uh, three meter high, 
um, to scale a uh, bronze statue of a of a man, basically. Um, and that that was shot during the install of the medicine galleries. Um, and again, that's kind of quite a nice one. So that's that is more environmental, but again, yeah. it is with with lighting. Um, yeah, it's kind of that's, an, that's kind of an interesting, weird in in betweeny one. Like um, yeah. it makes me look like I it makes me look like I use flash all the time, which is actually um, I'm not a big fan of flash lit portraiture. But there you go. <laughs> that's kind of I'm surprised actually. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's fine. Like it's it's whatever tool works for the job, right? You know. Yeah. Um, so in this case, like obviously these are sort of they're much more the stuff I have I do for the museum. Uh, often we have to do quite commercial stuff, uh, commercial looking stuff. Um, and my favourite kind of portraiture is really sort of naturalistic daylight and a reflector type type stuff. Mm. Um, but I mean, having said that, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy really enjoy both of those shoots actually. Um, and I was particularly pleased with the zombie boy one, which, mm. you know, it just, it was just a few things that just really came together. Like um, she just happened to be walking through the gallery and we literally just grabbed her. We'd been photographing the sculpture. Um, my colleague Jenny was assisting me on that one. And, um, and yeah, and it just kind of, you know, it just gives you that sense of scale, right? And that sort of drama and it kind of, yeah, it just really worked. People love it. So Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's nice because uh, I think that's part of the thing is choosing how to pose someone with an object. That's because you could overpower the object, you could overpower the person. That's, there must be some skill involved and experience with that. Yeah, like you said, I think it's about uh, just you sort of work it out over time, you know. Um, and it's kind of it's difficult as well. It's always difficult trying to do something that's not. Uh, you know, not sort of super cliched or super wooden, like here I am with this beautiful object that I love sort of really kind of posed. Um, I think that's kind of, yeah, that, I, sometimes you just either, you either embrace the cliche or you just, hmm. you go completely left field and do something completely, hmm. you know, off the wall, which usually doesn't get shown, which is probably why there's no off the wall stuff. Yeah. That, that kind on my website yeah no that's cool and obviously you ended up in um hook magazine didn't you yeah hook uh yeah so that was for uh tanner mm. yeah yeah so that was that was for a project that i shot um when i was living on a tiny scottish island in the middle of nowhere uh being being a wilderness nomad not really, not <laughs> at all. But it's, it was very off, very much off the grid. Um, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing place. Incredible people. Um, so, what direction is uh, Tanera then? So, yeah, so Tanera is uh, just off the west coast of Scotland. Oh, it's, it's west. In the okay. Summer Isles um, archipelago. Uh, so it's quite near the mainland, but sort of far enough that it's possible to get cut off. Um, and yeah, so um, I live there with my partner uh, for a couple of years. We did sort of seasonal work, um, like sort of eight months on, four months off. And we basically sort of looked after the island 
I was say, how did you, how did this come about though? You know, where this, is it an idea? <laughs> did you get the opportunity or? Yeah, no, it was just a, so, um, Sean, uh, had been on holiday there, um, oh, wow. when she was younger and, um, and yeah, I think, I can't remember if we saw the job. We advertise it more two places, but it's the sort of job that sounds amazing. And it is amazing. It was incredible. Um, but then logistically, I think it's probably quite difficult. Um, mm. Difficult for a lot of people to do it. So you sort of like, yeah, I don't know. We were we were a combination of very, very lucky, uh, as, as in it was an amazing opportunity and sort of right place right time i was kind of um i'd just been made redundant at the time uh and sean had just finished uni so we kind of you know we were in a, a position where we could we could literally just down tools and well there was no tools to down in my case but um yeah we could just mm. just go and go and live there which is great um yeah and it led to the led to the being able to photograph the project um which kind of looks at um i guess uh it's kind of about the symbiotic relationship i guess between the sort of the this island which is literally like a mile and a half by a mile wide it's tiny wow. so the relationship it has with the local mainland and the communities who sort of call that area home um yeah. it's kind of a portrait of place i guess um shown through the the people and i'm really interested in the sort of the marks and the effects that they have on the landscape so I've always been yeah. kind of interested in landscape photography, but kind of I was really interested in the fact that you could sort of see uh, evidence of people's continued habitation of the island, even though at the time we lived there, there was only sort of five of us there. And, um, and you know, like, and it was, even though it was a very small place, I mean, in some ways that probably emphasised those marks and, and um, traces that people you know people people left hmm. no no it's interesting i mean you've got uh like a couple of lovely photos there's the there's the fish uh t the fishermen there isn't there yeah yeah uh fish farmer and uh kirsten who's a who was one of the tutors on um on the residential courses yeah I mean, it's a different thing entirely. I mean, do you, do you think you can sort of feel that history around you then when you was there? Um, yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting part of the world um, and a, a really interesting part of the UK as well, Scotland, particularly Highlands and mm -hmm. Islands, because it's very... Um, everybody talks about it as being very wild, um and for sure it's the it's definitely sort of the wildest uh the closest thing that the uk has to true wilderness but it's also very intensively managed or has been very intensively managed uh for a long time you know hmm. um and like you know like all of the uk you know we don't really have sort of the kind of, like kind of untouched countryside you know it's hmm. it, pretty much it's pretty much all had human influence in one way or another um but it is kind of I'm trying to not sound really 
whimsical and cliched, but it is there is something like very special about it. Oh, I think so. I mean, it really connected with me. I really connected with it, maybe. Um, hmm. And it's in many ways, it felt kind of timeless there for that reason, you know, mm -hmm. like, because you, you, it's just not got the same sort of pace of life. It's not got the same kind of, um, yeah, it's just not got the same sort of feel, you know, like, I mean, literally money just became less of a, and like, you know, bear in mind, we're both like flat broke at this point. Like, you know, <laughs> we get when we got this job, like I said, I've been unemployed for six months and, and yeah, was literally like, you know, fresh out of college. So, but it, it's kind of like money just becomes, becomes less of an issue because everything you do is literally, is very, it's very much direct, direct, it's like direct, you're much more directly in control of the absolute necessities so hmm. you know because you're on an island if you want firewood you have to arrange going to get it and chopping it up or you know going hmm. to going to the mainland if you want food you arrange going to the, you know all this kind of stuff like, yeah. because it's like i said because it's all off grid you know that's like hmm. it's completely it's not connected to the to the mains there's a you know there's a little water treatment system that again you know that that we had to sort of look after and monitor and run hmm um yeah kind of it's incredible incredible experience i have to say like mm. really amazing like not just photographically but like just just personally and you can to go back to your question because i've rambled a bit um yeah i think it's difficult to say what is so special about it but i think you can sort of maybe you can feel the weight of time but if you know what you're looking for you can see it you know is there all around you yeah. as well right and that's the kind of i think does that answer your question maybe yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool. like, i've got off on one massively so. <laughs> that was bad. so do you think that's why you sort of turn this into a book then because it it was so important to you yeah i mean i'm often attracted to those kind of stories you know that uh, they're kind of quite quiet stories you know it's quite quiet work yeah yeah um it's not sort of super loud and shouty but it's mm. it's about everyday life it's a sort of um you know we don't we don't really talk much about rural populations mm. in the uk actually um and you know i think particularly um in the current context with sort of brexit and stuff like i think that that's mm. that's come about because you know because we don't really uh, we're just so divorced from each other's experience and we don't really sort of, I don't think we don't really get it, you know, like certainly like, and I grew up in the, I grew up in the countryside, but I didn't, I didn't appreciate, you know. No. That makes yeah. It, it's interesting. Um, where does your um, love of film come from then? Have you, did you use it in any of your projects or is that something that you've kept separate? No, I tend to I tend to shoot most of my uh, personal work on film. Right. Okay. Um, I like it because uh, it makes it very different from the day job. Yeah. Uh, it's a very very different kind of way of working. I get that. Um, a lot of people say it slows them down. 
I'm kind of guilty of saying that as well, which is perhaps true in some ways, I guess. Hmm. Uh, although it's a, I don't know, you could definitely slow down with a digital camera, couldn't you, if you sort of forced yourself, I suppose. But hmm. I think uh, it does, I mean, it does make you very conscious of what you're shooting because yeah, you know, if you can't afford a lot of film, you know, as in my case, like it kind of, you're very aware of the pennies sort of tinkling away every time you mm. sort of press the shutter, you know, and it, you know, as you you know, as an analog shooter, it's mm. it gets it's getting more and more expensive, um, and there's fewer and fewer films to choose from. Um, although you know, we're kind of having a bit of a resurgence at the moment, I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, I quite I quite like it because it sort of it separates the two, mm. separates both both sort of both of my ways of working, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that makes total sense, really, because it's a bit like the separation of going home. You, you turn into a different person. You switch away from where you go to the mode you have at home, which is, um, like I say, for me, it's IT to photography. Uh, it's great being able to do that switch. Um, but then at the same time, sometimes it's nice to shoot digitally. Um, so... Uh, when I'm shooting my models, it's the convenience. Um, you know, I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't have as many photos, um, quality ones, if I hadn't a shot digitally. Uh, mm. And they wouldn't have been able to preview them and know that I'm capable of that work as well. Mm, yeah, um, absolutely. I think, I think it's a good way of practicing, right? Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. I think once um, certain models know you, um, so uh, one of the articles I wrote was about um, shooting in winter, and I've gone out with a couple of uh, models I know on the streets of Lincoln, and we've just done like environmental portraits, and I only shot film, flash, um, and, you know, they've come out lovely. Um but that takes confidence from both people, really. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, we are through the formal part of the interview, Kev. So cool. what I want to do is put you through my silly random questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, you've you've had a head start because obviously you've listened to Nick, haven't you? So. I have a little bit, yeah. I didn't know whether <laughs> they were going to be the same ones, though. So. No, definitely not. No. Oh, yeah, I figured you <laughs> might do that. Okay. Go on, fire away. You're ready, are you? Okay. So, when you turn 40, you get a present from the state. Which one would you choose? Beautifying oil, look spray, or some brain-enhancing pills? Oof. Let's say it's a really small bottle or tin as well, so. But you've got... I think I'd go... I'd go. I probably need the brain enhancing pills by that point because yeah. uh, I might be. I'm, I think I'm killing a lot of brain cells at the moment. <laughs> a lot of lockdown drinking. So I feel like by the time I reach forty, I will probably need a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost, probably, just to yeah. keep functioning at a normal level. No, that's cool. Thank you for that. Um, before color TV was invented, did people dream in black and white? <laughs> uh, 
well, they always talk about you sort of uh, seeing the world in black and white, right? You, you mm. know, as a black and white photography, that's that's what you see, mm. um, which I think is probably true to a certain extent. So I'm going to say probably. Yeah. Some people. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm going to cop out of that one. I'm not. <laughs> No, that's fine. Okay. Ask, ask a science uh, science curator. I can put you in touch with a few if you like. Yeah. <laughs> Send them crazy, won't we? Um, okay. So you come home and find an octopus cooking your tea, a bat washing the pots, and a bear hoovering. Which would scare you the most? So we've got an octopus cooking, a bat washing, and a bear hoovering. I think I'm going to say, I think I'd be quite uh, intrigued or enamoured by the octopus and the bat. Um, quite like bats, quite like octopus. I think, and I think I feel like an octopus would be a good cook, right? Like the eight, the eight limbs thing, definitely. Mm. You know, like. There'd be no timing issues, would there? Do you know what I mean? Like when you've got, you know, when you're trying to do like a, I don't know, like something really time sensitive, like fish, or you're trying to fry fish, mm. or you're trying to like uh, all the elements of a roast dinner or a, oh, a breakfast. God, yeah. right? Octopus has yeah. octopus has got that covered, like hundred mm. percent. Boom, job done. Um, so, okay. So that would be fine. The bear might be, yeah. And given given that I live in a one bed flat, I think the bear would probably freak me out quite a lot. Not least because how even did it get in to start with? I don't know. Like, what's 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 an average like grizzly bear size? Does that fit through a through a door? I don't know. Oh, it struggle, won't it? I think it'd be quite. It'd be quite. Yeah, you have to shrug its hips through probably. Be a bit yeah, probably could make it in some, yeah, some but... places, couldn't it? You know. Hmm. So, yeah, that would freak me out, probably. It's funny. When I always ask people questions like this, they actually act out the scenario, just like you, and see how they can make it happen. So, yeah, for the listeners at home, you can... Yeah, you see, you need to maybe... You no, know, don't put a video clip of me pretending to be an octopus. That's not a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. No one needs to see that. No, no that's cool. Uh, okay, so... When you reach heaven you get to trade the kudos and karma you've earned all your life into rewards. So how many will you have and what's your reward? Oh, not as many as I think I'll have. All right. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, and what would be my reward? Because you can have anything in heaven, really, can't you? I mean, my idea of heaven is pretty close to like that Scottish island, actually, just mm. being in the middle of nowhere. So you're very on island. my own. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty in that kind of landscape, probably that kind of temperate, kind of mountainous, or maybe a forest. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be the, the biggest problem is deciding, isn't it? Like, mm. I'll probably sit there in purgatory for about <laughs> three hundred years while I decide what ex which exactly version is the is the optimal one, and then they'll go, "Oh no, no, sorry, you haven't got enough rewards for that." Here you go. 
here's here's a bonsai tree instead. Yeah, I'm, I sort of believe that sort of fate as well. Yeah, whatever you say, they're going to turn it around on you and just say, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your last one, um, Miramax was famously named after the parents. Uh, so that's Miramax Studio. What would your film studio be called? Oh, that's hard. I mean... So if you have an interesting name, it, it can work. Um, Miramax was a uh, two names put together. I think it's Miramax yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah, I mean... The only videographer I can currently think of that I know, I'm going to say that because someone will probably get in touch and say, <laughs> Oi, you know yeah. me as well. It's a guy called Nick Pilgrim. So we'll say Pilgrim. I mean, Pilgrim and Percival sounds pretty uh, pretty cool, actually. Yeah. The film studio, I can see that working, right? Yeah. Or Percival and Pilgrim, Pilgrim, Percival, Percival Pilgrims. Some sort of combination of that. Percival Pilgrims. I don't know. It's not Miramax, is it? Let's be honest. It's not snappy. It's not, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to play with that before we uh, make that studio. we release it. Yeah. <laughs> before the money men come in, you need to come yeah. up with that. Yeah. No, that's good. important, man. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for going through that. That's all right. Anytime, thank you for having me. It's uh, it was nice to talk to you. I'm sorry I went off on a, a ramble somewhere in the middle there. That's fine. I think everyone gets lost uh, in their thoughts at times as well. So, do you want to tell all these lovely, lovely people where to check out your work? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you can find me at Kev P Photo, uh, which is my Instagram, Instagram and Twitter, and um, the website is kevpphotography.co.uk that's two p's so kevpphotography.co.uk thank you for that so i'll get obviously links to everything there in the show notes um my final question is uh, as you know i do this pay it forward scheme um have you got someone you would like to uh, nominate or someone you think uh, i really should check out oh yeah i do actually um so many people though yeah have you come across um hannah jedros's work don't think so okay she runs an amazing little um not so little now actually uh sort of initiative called photo scratch which is like halfway between a comedy scratch night and a um uh, you know, we sort of test out new material. So it's almost like it's between yeah. a private view and a comedy scratch night. Uh, people, six photographers come along, they put up works in progress, almost like a little exhibition. People have a few drinks in non-COVID times and <laughs> when we're allowed to actually go and go and gather in a space and chat about the work and leave feedback. And it's a way for photographers who are sort of are out of uni and out of that sort of uh, you know, we were talking about earlier on about constructive criticism. You know, like they can't get that. It's a kind of it's a way of uh, 
for photographers to continue to sort of test out new material basically um specifically sort of documentary and and journalistic kind of material um although occasionally arts projects as well um she's great and she's a fantastic photographer in her own right as well um yeah brilliant projects uh works a lot in film so you could chat about as well um and yeah just a wonderful human being thanks kev yeah that's that sounds lovely yeah that's exactly what sort of thing i'm after and it's nice if we can give um an opportunity to someone to get their name out there a bit as well Mm, sure yeah 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 she's very good um in fact actually there's a whole she's part of a collective as well speaking of uh collaborations and collective called isle isle stories any of those photographers would be oh, worth fun. checking out as well okay i can send you those then if you want yeah yeah certainly yeah do that thank you so all i have to say is um thanks a lot for spending this time with me kev no thank you andy it's been like i said it's been really nice and like I said, I'm sorry for rambling off. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We, honestly, we all do it. And uh, so th- thanks a lot for your time again, Kev. Uh, you take care, mate, and um, keep up the great work, mate. Thanks, man. And you, likewise. Thanks a lot, mate. <laughs>